0: Hey guys and gals, Cable here and this week's podcast is brought to you by iSocial Boost. See, when iSocial Boost contacted me, I was pretty skeptical about how this thing worked and I wasn't willing to try it on my own page, the Lone Star Outdoor Show page that I've been working on for, uh, what, seven or eight years with you guys. So I said, you know what, let's give this thing a fair shake. Let's create a new page and see how it does. And so that's what I did with a hunter's legacy. Uh, My new page, which is up to over 13,000 followers at this point, I update it like a couple times a week, to be honest with you, and iSocial Boost does the rest through hashtags that I've designed to target hunters and anglers. It's awesome. It's iSocial Boost. You can use it to grow your brand, your recognition, your following, and if you use the promo code LoneStar, you'll only pay $5 for the first week with no strings attached. Check it out, isocialboost.com.
1: But at the end of the day, nobody cares for Kyle. We're going to burn us out, burn us out of town. The like a two-feet slayer, nobody cares for Kyle.
0: Good morning, good morning, good morning, Gable Smith welcoming each and every one of you to the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Ha uh, Power Polaris as well, our long time presenting sponsors. Man, it's great to be here talking all things outdoors with you fine folks today. I tell you what though, this, uh, this cold weather, I'm about over it. It's like uh, back to the 30s in texas in march uh looks like the forecast for the next week is pretty bleak i'm ready for some sunshine and spawning bass uh this and the rest of the country man <laughs> they've got it way worse than just uh some a cold snap that we're seeing down here in the south i mean just snow upon more snow for a lot of them and <laughs> it's just global warming right That that's really a thing we're still going with that come on Um, Anyway, we've got a great show lined up for you today, so you know what to do by now, pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire, pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat up old Stanley Thermos that Grandpappy passed down to you, because we're ready to rock and roll, and off the top, we'll be joined by our longtime friend and taxidermist, Becky Gunther of Rustic Reminders Taxidermy, Uh, Becky and her husband Josh are just wonderful people, amazing taxidermists, good friends of mine. And they just went on the, what I would describe as the Texas public land hunt of a lifetime. Truly a unique tag in that down along the Texas coast, um, kind of that King Ranch area all the way to the Atascosa Wildlife uh, Refuge, we've got Nilgai. And they have done so well adapting to that, that scrub brush country um, that they're thriving on that, on the refuge for one, and on uh, you know private land areas as well. But Texas Parks and Wildlife, in conjunction with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, they facilitate this hunt. Uh, it's truly a gem when it comes to public land drawn hunt opportunity, like you see in so many Western big game states. So Texas, yeah, we have something to hang our hat on, <laughs> you know. And and this was a, a very difficult, challenging hunt. We'll have Becky on to tell us all about that. Plus. Uh, On a different note, when you harvest an animal that is in velvet, how do you take care of that? If you want the velvet uh, for your mount or, you know, to be displayed in perpetuity as a reminder of that hunt, you need to be able to take care of it. So Becky will provide some insight on how to properly take care of and transport uh, those velvet antlers. Uh, Then we'll be joined by another longtime friend of the program, Uh, Larry McCoy of the Outdoor Group, specifically Elite Archery and Slick Trick Broadheads. He will jump on and we will discuss uh, some uh, ins and outs of of archery. Some things that people don't really want to discuss, I think, or want to admit when it comes to reactionary shooting for non-instinctive archers. Let's face it, if you use a sight, then you're not really an instinctive shooter, right? But I think we all have instinctive tendencies And we'll get into that, plus uh, back bars for your setup, um, hybrid broadheads, powder river, whitetail bucks, and a whole lot more. And we'll get into all that, uh, plus the new Ritual 35 that Elite just launched. Uh, So cool stuff coming up with Larry at the bottom of the hour. That's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. A couple other things to mention are March photo of the month contest. Is going on right now, and what do we have for our March winner? How about a Stealth Cam DS4K trail camera? That's about a $300 trail camera. If you've seen my uh, trail camera images posted on social media, those are all taken with the DS4K. Uh, Amazing video and picture quality, and we will give this away to this month's winner. So, to enter. Send in your best hunting, fishing, outdoor photo to lone star outdoors show at gmail.com, or you can post it on our Facebook page or uh, use that hashtag LSOS photo contest on Instagram. Um, let's do a quick giveaway. Oh, and don't forget, don't forget that our 12 monthly winners will square off at the end of the year for a chance to hunt trophy black buck or access deer with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs. So throw your hat in the ring, you might win one of our monthly contests, and then you could have a crack at uh, hunting Axis Deer or Black Buck with me. Um, Last thing, let's do a quick giveaway. And I've got some more beef jerky to give away. Uh, It's from Kick-Ass Beef Jerky. And we'll give away three bags of jerky and some of their sausage sticks to today's winner. Just email the word jerky. To lone Star outdoors show at gmail.com and we'll get you entered. Let's take a break. Up next, we'll head down to the Laguna Atascosa, talk some meal guy hunting with my friend Becky Gunther right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. That's all it is. have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease, we have the solution. The system hog trap comes in two sizes, 17 foot and 30 foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The system is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's G-O-I-N-F-E-N-C-I-N-G dot Three Curl Outfitters is now offering guided North Texas quail hunts just 30 minutes south of DFW. If you're looking for a quality quail hunt close to home, planning a company outing, or just looking for a place to tune up your dogs, you need to give them a call. Hunts are $250 a hunter for a half day hunt. That includes 15 birds. And you can add extra birds for $8 a piece if you want to give your bird dog just a little more run. You're welcome to bring your own dogs. Otherwise, the guide and dog fee is 150 a day for your entire group. That's not per person. Go to 3curl.com or call 214 641 8097 to book your hunt today. Most
2: of the time, he just kept it himself. He drank, stop, beer, and nothing else. Then one day he asked if I'd stop on him. With hesitation, I walked up to him. He put his hand on my shoulder and with a grin. He said these words I've remembered all my life. There's only two things in life that will ever last. It's the word.
0: That is latest from Drew Moreland, God, Cash. Love that and I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thank you guys for being here today. As, uh, we've got some cool stuff to get into with our next guest. Uh, but before we do that, I do want to say thanks to Dallas Safari Club, our title sponsor, as well as Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Players. And by the way, a Lone Star Beer just released their new 24-7 brew. Uh, it's the first beer they've put out, gosh, since their Lone Star Bach. It's been a couple years, uh, but this is what they call the, uh, you know, the all-day drinker. If you're at a tailgate or, you know, maybe you're tending to the smoker, maybe you're just running around the deer lease filling feeders for an afternoon. It's only 68 calories, 2.1 percent alcohol. It is the Lone Star 24/7 Lone Star beer, the national beer of Texas. Well, let's go ahead and bring on our first guest. She is a longtime friend of the show and her and her husband, uh, Josh Gunther, of Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Uh, They've obviously been taking care of me a long time. Uh, But they just got back from a Neil guy hunt on uh, basically the South Texas coast. Cool thing is this was a drawn hunt on the Laguna Atascosa National Wildlife Refuge, which is a federal refuge. But they facilitate the draw through, uh, they use Texas Parks and Wildlife's online system. And Josh and Becky drew this tag. Generally, people don't think of Texas as having a great public draw system. Not a lot of public hunting opportunity in Texas to speak of, really. Uh, But this is one of those highly sought-after tags that they were fortunate enough to draw. And so I want to get into that Neil Guy hunt. Uh, But also at the uh, end of our discussion, talk a little bit about velvet and specifically how to take care of a velvet-racked animal if you want to have your taxidermist mount the animal in velvet. A lot of people strip it off. Some people like the way it looks, uh, but there are certain things you need to do in order to protect it. So we'll get into that as well. Without further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome Becky Gunther of
3: Rustic Reminders Taxidermy back to the show.
4: Cable, it's great talking with you too.
3: It is my pleasure, my pleasure. So we've got a lot to get into today on a couple different topics, but I want to start with a uh, a drawn hunt that you and Josh recently went on down at the uh, Laguna Atascosa National Wildlife Refuge. This was a a nilgai hunt specifically. Um, Were you able to take any exotic you saw or was it just nilgai?
4: Uh, Well, our paperwork said just nilgai. They had said that they had seen some some fallow out there, but they they basically called them the the unicorn fallow because seeing them wasn't really probable or anything like that. So, so we were it was pretty much just no guy.
1: Yeah. So
3: the only time I've done one of these drawn Texas hunts was um, at the uh, hill country, or the uh, yeah the hill country state natural area outside of Bandera. Uh huh. And you know you fill out the form and it says possibility for. Um, awdad and axis deer and mouflon and you get there for orientation and they're like you know the park um staff was like yeah we had a, a trail camera picture of one awdad you like three weeks ago and that's the only thing we've seen oh. in like months
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it was
3: still a whitetail hunt but i really went with the intent of hey maybe we can you know get into some exotics uh yeah. it didn't, didn't pan out but this hunt they do have a lot of nil guy in uh you know, on the on the refuge there,
1: mm-hmm. which
3: you actually apply through Texas Parks and Wildlife, which I find interesting since it's a national wildlife refuge. But yeah, uh,
4: they kind of they kind of opened. I and, you know I'm kind of speaking ahead. Um, my understanding is they had kind of opened that up a couple years ago. So mm-hmm. um, the fact that to even have that opportunity was pretty exciting, and and yeah, um, we didn't even see a. Any of uh, the game wardens there? Um, it was all of the other guys that were that were working that you know are usually down there, and they kind of took over, I guess.
3: Sure, sure. So you and Josh applied together. Um, I think the deadline was back in like September or October, and then this was—I think this was the last time of the year on the refuge.
4: It was, yes. Yeah, so I, I, you know, and I don't know how the no-guy hunting was before, but I think they were pretty well educated by the time we got down there. So, but, but yeah, it was the last hunt.
3: Yeah. Well, and, I, and I'd heard from uh, someone else that went on one of the earlier hunts this year that the hunting was, was bad, the numbers were bad, and they, they were someone that had, uh, this was actually a, a follower on Instagram, and, and they had hunted, drawn like three or four years in a row and always been successful, and this year they just didn't see the numbers and um yes. and i i heard that they had come in with helicopters and shot a bunch of the nil guy and then loaded oh, up really? the meat in 18 wheelers and Uh-oh. like taken it and sold it.
4: Uh-huh.
3: So i don't know like well, that, if that's factual that's really,
4: or not. Yeah, i don't i don't know um definitely highly probable. I know that they said that in the years past they had done a whole lot better. Hmm. Um i was talking with one of the volunteers and you know she was talking about numbers that they were pulling off on each hunt and then this season um, they 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 didn't have numbers even close to what they were pulling off like last year and the year prior.
3: Sure, sure. So so I, highly likely. And I think the permits to to enter the uh, the Texas draw for for the Laguna dos for the new guy is only five bucks.
4: So. It wasn't it wasn't very much. Yeah. Uh, one of our buddies um, enters for us because you know it's right out when deer season's kicking off and we get a little <laughs> crazy busy. So yeah. luckily he, he entered and everything for us and and did all the 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 paperwork for us, so we didn't even have to worry about that and and uh, so yeah that worked out good though
1: yeah
3: so you guys get drawn um, what are the what are the accommodations like there do you have to stay in a rent a hotel or do you t- a tent camp or
4: they They had some camper spots, and we probably could have, uh you know done a tent camp we We just stayed nearby harlingen and then and then drove the forty five minutes to get there um in the morning uh mm-hmm. so so we just stayed at a hotel so so the accommodations were actually very nice when we were there, so we were well. at the hotel
3: but. <laughs> yeah. yeah that uh bandera uh that hill country state natural area we we tent camped and and uh-huh. one of the reasons why the hunt was so bad is because it rained every single day for four days.
1: Oh, geez. And
3: then we got a, there was a hole in the top of the tent, and luckily I had a, an air mattress, but my buddy, he was just sleeping in a sleeping bag, and so next thing you know, we're at the, the laundromat drying out all of this stuff, and it was just
4: Oh, a, yeah.
3: yeah. It was a nightmare. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so. change changed
4: the entire perspective on a hunt right there. <laughs> right,
3: right. So I think I read they issued, they issued 35 permits per hunt. Mm-hmm. 35 permits. How did they break up the properties? Like, were you assigned a specific geographical area that you had to stay within?
4: No, no. They they kind of they opened it up. They let us know which areas of you know, which areas were open for us to hunt. They mm-hmm. obviously had some closed down. Uh so they gave us a map, but as far as, you know, getting us our own compartments where it was like just me and Josh in one compartment and this other guy in another uh they didn't do that. They just kinda opened it all up. And, uh, you know, you had one main road, um, that you could drive on, on, on part of it. Uh, you couldn't drive off, off that road anywhere else. You had to walk in and, and pack out and everything. But, uh, they kind of had that one main road, so you would see where another vehicle was parked and, and kind of keep moving down and, and go, go elsewhere, so.
3: Did you guys spend a lot of time pouring over maps, or just kind of wing it once you got in there?
4: We definitely went over maps, um, we kinda did the Google Maps and stuff, looked there uh we definitely spoke with the guys after orientation. They had a bunch of the blown up maps in the in the in the office there, so we really went over maps. Um, we were, we were talking to everybody. We were trying to, uh, trying to listen as, as much as we could to, uh, to what they were saying. The, um the assistant refuge manager was there and, um, we were, we were kind of picking his brain and he was so helpful. He was giving us ideas, you know, as to where they had been seeing a big concentration of them mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. And, and he was going over maps and, and he, Basically told us uh, in the in the beginning, you know, he was like, "This is this is one of the the hardest hunts that you'll be on with the terrain and the weather and stuff," but uh, the most rewarding. And, and he was definitely right. So we really just listened and honed in on on what he said, as far as you know where they were seeing Nilgai, where Nilgai had been taken, where everybody else had been hunting, uh, and then kind of went from there.
3: Hmm. So the Nilgai actually um, originated in India. Right. And I I don't know when it came to Texas, but it's I mean it's no secret that you can find them all over the King Ranch. You can find them in the Laguna Atascosa. so all over that South Texas coastal area in that region, um, mm-hmm. they're doing quite well. Uh, I guess the uh, the climate and the habitat suits their needs perfectly.
4: Exactly.
3: Um, about how much do the how much does a big bull weigh?
4: Oh goodness. <laughs> <lot>. Four hundred, six <laughs> hundred. I as much I, as an elk uh so <laughs> when uh when when we were gutting him and stuff um obviously we had done those uh we had been on the elk guided trips before um where Josh was guiding and stuff and and he was saying they're you know frame wise the elk was a little bit bigger, but they're just so much more stout and and heavier mm-hmm. um as far as like just the mass and stuff so it was it was more work gutting them i guess
1: Uh um
4: i I don't know just so muscular and stuff so um probably like a probably like a a good size elk maybe um you know the frame was a little bit smaller but they just seem to have a little more mass
3: 500 pounds at least okay
4: Yeah, Yeah. yeah i'd pray even go more but yeah definitely
3: and i've always heard this is one of those animals that's on my bucket list you know i haven't had the chance to hunt them yet but i've always heard they're the toughest sons of bitches out there like way tougher <laughs> than an elk you shoot it you just keep shooting until you're out of bullets i mean that
4: that's exactly what i did too <laughs> so, um i i i lucked out um when when he came up and you know, he was walking in and stuff and and that first shot was just a real pretty shot and i was so excited but yeah i i threw another one in him just to make sure and and he went behind a he went behind some brush, and I took off running down trying to get another shot because he was going to have to go into a clearing again. And uh, I took off running down, and luckily he was he was laying there. But, yeah, they they can they can take some bullets, and, and we've got clients come in that would tell us the stories of, you know, how many bullets they were taking. So, yeah, as soon as I got one in them, it was like, let's hurry up and get more in.
3: Yeah, so. And, and so what calibers did you guys take?
4: Uh, I used a 300 Ultra Mag, uh-huh. and then Josh used a 300 Win Mag.
3: Okay, that's kind of probably what I would have assumed. You know, you want uh-huh. definitely want to pack a wallop with these things. Going back to how tough they are. Yeah. Um, so for your hunt, uh-huh. and I know Josh had kind of told me we had a conversation earlier this week that um, you know the park official said you know you probably want to hunt water because it's kind of dry. Um, it's been tough hunting, but I think you guys actually decided to. to go after them, you know, spot and
1: stalk.
4: We did. We did. Um, Yeah, they had said, uh, you know, they had said, especially in the years past, um, they had had droughts in the years past. And so they were really coming into water and stuff. Um, And then the the refuge manager, the assistant, um, he was telling us some areas. And so the very first day we went out there and we started going into these areas that he was talking about, like where the water is. and, And we were seeing signs, but nothing is brush as as we were hoping mm-hmm. and um, and then he had he had made this other comment that kind of stuck with us and he said you know y- you gotta go out and get them um, get away away from the roads get away from everyone else and so we just literally took off and we were going to go with a spot and stalk and you know figured if we could set up somewhere that we could see a little bit but mainly we were going to try to walk and, and see if we could spot something and and so that's kind of what we did we just we really we really lucked out we spotted them uh, a ways off and it just happened to work out
3: josh told me it was kind of this this bull that you got was on an island
4: he was he was so we got at the end and and we had we had seen him we saw something move and we got the binoculars up and and we saw him and he was uh, he was quite a ways and so we're we were sitting there talking we're like okay do we do we do this you know trying to figure out how to get up on him we're pulling up we're pulling up all of our maps trying to figure out exactly where he is make sure we're we're in the right area you know that we can hunt and stuff Mm -hmm. um and then trying to figure out as far as terrain how to go about doing it and uh, it was kind of like a little island so
3: And this is like on the coast there's a salt water
4: Yes it is wow. <laughs> Yeah I mean it was it was crazy I've never hunted anything like that before but um so we decided uh I I ended up I went ahead and set up kind of in the the closest brush to that island mm-hmm. and thinking that well if Josh goes in and he can't get a shot maybe he'll he'll come to the closer brush and so Josh went down and he starts walking around and he's trying to come up on the back side and uh, all of a sudden you know the snow guy kind of pops out and there were three coyotes out there running around playing too huh. and so i see the coyotes running out first and i'm thinking oh if he follows the coyotes you know he's going to go the complete wrong area and uh josh goes up in there comes around and and the snow guy kind of pops out he's not going uh crazy or anything like that not running but he you know, he's keeping an eye on josh and he comes out and I'm thinking he's gonna follow the exact same path as the coyote, so I get the range fighter up, he's at four hundred. So I'm getting the gun ready and I'm thinking, Okay, well I'm gonna go for the four hundred yard shot.
3: And are you on sticks and or did you find a tree to I, I
4: had I had a I had a shooting stick. Uh-huh. So, so yeah. Four hundreds
3: a poke on sticks. It's yeah. <laughs> you know, it really is.
4: Yep. <laughs> and so I'm waiting and, and he turns just a little bit quartering towards me. So I hold off a little bit more. I'm like, Okay, we're gonna see what he's gonna do and he keeps turning around looking at Josh and I keep waiting to hear a shot from Josh.
1: Uh-huh.
4: Um, I'm thinking Josh is, you know, getting set up on him or something. Oh, no, Josh be- is
3: a gentleman. He's pushing this this no guy towards you.
4: Yeah,
1: <laughs>
4: he said he never actually saw him, but we'll, we'll go with the gentleman thing. Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> so, but um, and finally, he takes a couple steps, and I realize he was coming that way. So I'm not gonna. Lie. I waited for him to get to get closer and 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 take that take that easier shot and he had to walk through some water to get over there and so i definitely waited was through the water just in case he would drop mm-hmm. so and uh once he came in um you know he's quartering to me a little bit and and i got him in that front shoulder and it was just like i said it was a pretty you could see, see the blood right away it was a pretty shot and, um, he was running pretty hard at that time. And, uh, so I stuck another one in him, which I hit him a little further back, um, in the gut, but, and That's
3: then okay. he kind of went in the brush. Shot, No big yeah. deal. Yeah, so the he, first he, shot, was he running or walking or? He was walking. Okay. Yep. And so how far was he?
4: <laughs> probably less i didn't put a rangefinder on it once once he started cl- going closer than 400 i just put the range finder down and, and kept the scope up the whole time yeah. um probably less than 100
1: okay so wow. i mean
4: he was he was getting pretty close and uh
1: mm-hmm. so okay so it, was,
4: it was pretty awesome like i said he, he went down i got that second shot in him and he went kind of through some brush and i i Jumped down and uh, I jumped down and started going after. I wanted to get another shot in him when he opened up in that clear. And again, and uh, I jumped down and I'm running like behind the tree so he can't see me coming up on him. But he never came back out. And then so I moved over to the side and he was just laying there. Yeah. So um, I don't know. <laughs> Not wow. even 40, 50
1: yards. That's awesome. uh
4: From where I <laughs> originally shot. So and then of course you know I'm like. I I you know, I don't even see Josh anymore but I'm thinking Josh c m e me, so I'm like waving orange in the air. I can only if there were any other hunters out there, they were probably like, She's crazy. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well you guys from what Josh said went pretty far off the, the beaten path, so they yeah. got away from everybody, which is you know, why you were able to get into the nail guy in such a you know, a tough hunt. I think Thirty-five permits and four Neil guy were killed, and you and you guys killed two of them.
4: We did, we did, we really lucked out. So I mean, yeah.
3: Oh, don't! I mean, you got to give yourself more credit than that. You know,
4: <laughs> oh, there's nowadays. there's
3: definitely a little bit of skill that goes into it. It was
4: awesome, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was. You can imagine like the perfect hunt, and for you know the way it just all worked out, it was literally the perfect hunt. I yeah. mean, it was awesome. It so, was awesome. I was so excited. I was on an adrenaline high for like <laughs> hours and hours yeah. and hours, <laughs> which was good because it took hours and hours and hours to get him out. So. So that's what
3: yeah, that's what uh, Josh said, and and. Um, this meat, though, I, I have eaten nilgai, and uh-huh. oh my gosh, and everyone raves about it, and and yes. it's you know they're spot on. It's about as good as it gets. You take axis deer, it's better than axis. I'd say it's elk's probably my favorite, you know, wild uh-huh. game that I regularly have my hands on. Nilgai's right. probably as good, maybe better. Yes. So
4: it's awesome. We we hadn't had any yet, but I cannot wait. Um, we had had a uh, there was a guy that went on a hunt years back, like five or six years ago, and he didn't want the meat. We ended up getting the meat off of his nogaline. He needs his head it, examined. I know, exactly. <laughs> but I wasn't going to argue with him. So. Right. <laughs> so we ended up getting that meat and it was amazing. So yeah, and so I was like, okay, we're going to get every steak we can out of it. and then.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: but yeah, no, it was, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it.
3: So, so I understand yours was a, a very mature, you know, a great representation of a, of a trophy as well. Yes. So, I mean, these animals don't have huge horns. Um,
4: no, not at all. So
3: nope. what is a big one?
4: Uh, Well, mine, mine was running like, uh, I think on one side it was like eight and three quarter inches. But uh-huh. it, I think it's his mass that is... That is just awesome. I mean, that was the first thing. It's like a
3: mountain goat, you know. They don't have huge horns, but yeah. you know, like eight inches, whatever. a you Great know? goat.
4: Yeah, and I, w- I mean, when Josh and I both walked up, the first thing we were raving over was just his mass. We we hadn't seen any with, we hadn't seen one with like mass like that before. Huh. It was it was crazy, and of course, you know the he he was just yeah he was he had a beautiful cape he had you know a good length um, he was just awesome so.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, so then, you guys had to wait. There was like a. You actually had to freeze the hide, which you got it out on what a bicycle or something. How'd y'all get it out of there? Because the the truck's like what four miles from where you shot it.
4: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So we uh, we didn't we couldn't take the bikes all the way. We took the bikes about two miles in, I guess. Uh And uh, so thankful for those bikes, by the way. (laughs) It was money well spent. We didn't have bikes, so it was money well spent. But um, no, so I left. Once we had that, once we had that bull down, um, we took some pictures real quick, obviously, and then uh, gutted them and everything. And then I left there about 8:30. I left there 8:30, took off towards the bike, finally got to the bike. I got to the truck, um, grabbed a wagon, and then I zip tied it to my bike and rode as much as I could, and then ended up getting too flat you know I didn't put the slime in my tires <laughs> like I should have so <laughs> um, completely my fault so ended up pushing a bike the rest of the way um, back luckily I got to ride it the majority of the way so uh, I got back to Josh at 1120 oh wow and uh, by that time he already had it skinned and quartered and he had brought it up to the top where I had the bike at and so he had it all there I think he was just kind of waiting on me and we got it loaded up, and we started taking off again, and we got, like, another three and a half miles. And uh, we had a buddy come in. We got about a mile. We had a buddy come in and help pull the wagon and stuff, thank God. Um and, uh, got it literally a half mile from the truck and the tire sheared off for the wagon.
1: <laughs> oh my and
4: so it was just like, at that point it was, it was about three o'clock in the afternoon then, um, shot it at eight. And of course, you know, it, it's hot. Mm-hmm. Like it was really hot in the seventies and stuff. So we're getting a little nervous on the Cape, uh, getting really nervous on the meat and stuff like that. So, um. Luckily, we ended up. They helped us out, and we ended up getting it from there, and, and all was good. So. Yeah. So yeah, but but yeah, um, the work really began after that
3: trigger was pulled. Yeah, so. oh, I'm sure. Uh, you know, with someone who's knocked down elk and mule deer in the mountains, it's uh,
4: you know, <laughs>
3: it's no small task. That's
4: yep. And the then,
3: easy part seems like it's killing. Once you have it on the ground, it's like, oh crap! Now look look what we get to do
4: yep yeah Yeah, (laughs) and and you know they were they were telling us in the beginning too they were like you don't realize how hard of a hunt this can be and you don't realize the terrain and stuff like that and i was like okay you know yeah we've been to new mexico Mm. and hunting in colorado it's like it's you know it's not a high altitude it's not going to be that bad and and uh, we got out there, and like I said, when we first started, you know, scouting that first hunt, you know, we stayed a little bit closer, and, and it wasn't bad. It was, you know, it was real flat terrain, stuff like that. It wasn't bad at all, but the once we started going out in there and that vegetation and, oh, my goodness, yeah. I didn't know your toes could rub on each other and you could have, like, blisters all over your toes oh yeah <laughs> I like, yeah I've, I've gotten blisters on my feet before but nothing like this Ugh. so yeah it was crazy but it was well worth it
3: well earned and then um and then you have to freeze the cape because of the ticks so you have to have what freeze yes. it for 24 hours
4: 24 hours yeah so by the time it got in the freezer and everything it was uh four forty five that afternoon and so they had it marked they said you know the next day when we came back the next day when we came back out um you know, we'd have to wait until then, and then we could take the hide with us.
3: So Josh is like, well, forget that. I'm going hunting then.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Yeah, we. Um, by the time we got back to the hotel that night, it was pretty late, and, you know, you're covered in blood and sweat and everything else. So luckily we were able to take a shower and stuff, which really kind of revamps you. And uh, that next morning uh, <laughs> we ended up sleeping in that next morning. Um, so then we went out there, and, I mean, <laughs> poor Josh. He could he could barely walk so we ended up we got back out there and stuff and we we went and checked on the on my bowl and they said yeah 4:45. i said okay and you know they're not going to let it leave any earlier so we're like
2: let's go do it again
4: <laughs> so, so we borrowed we borrowed a um since our wagon was broke luckily they had some carts out there we borrowed a cart just on the safe side and Put it in the truck and and we headed back out there and and we started talking and figuring out where we were going to go and and uh, Josh's bike still had good tires so he took off one way and then I took off the other and, and then he he really lucked out and ended up getting a bull himself. Wow. So
3: so so two for two for you guys four out of the thirty five uh, yeah. hunters actually connected on bulls uh, so that's that's awesome now <laughs> as we kind of. Uh, wrap this up though this sounds like a hell of a hunt
4: it was it was pretty
1: awesome
3: and you know texas has such crappy public land hunting opportunity this is one that's always intrigued me to Mm -hmm. to you know be good friends with people that have now gone down there and and had success um i think it's kind of one of those hidden gems that uh, i think people are unaware of
4: Uh uh-huh yeah, no, it it was awesome. And, you know, it's it's definitely not a, um, not a canned hunt by any means, but, and just to be able to have the opportunity and, and go out there. I mean, uh, we, we were, when we were going down there, we were actually, Josh and I were talking about it and Josh made the comment. He goes, if we can just have an opportunity to shoot at something, he goes, I will be more than thrilled. And, and then, you know, we kind of just, Really lucked out and <laughs> had opportunity to shoot two something. So. Uh, yeah, and
3: how many days was the hunt?
4: Uh, it was three days.
3: Okay, wow. So Friday, so,
4: Saturday, and Sunday.
3: Yeah, well, folks can apply um, right there at the Texas Parks and Wildlife uh, website. I think, like I said, it's five dollars an application, and uh, it goes to a good cause too because it all goes back into uh, funding Texas Parks and Wildlife and their
1: exactly. their
3: hunting program. Um, let's do this. Let's take a quick break, come back, and there's something I want to get into as far as, you know, when you shoot an an animal in velvet, Uh uh, how to to properly take care of those antlers. Sound good?
4: Sounds great.
0: Perfect. And that segment brought to you by First Light. You know, ladies, y'all are the fastest growing section of the hunting community. And for far too long, we asked women to just get guys' clothes in a smaller size, right? Well, that's not the case at First Light. They've got a full lineup of women's gear tailored to fit you specifically, ladies. So you know what to do. And, guys, if you want your girl to spend more time hunting in the backcountry with you or in the turkey woods this spring, hey, you know what to do as well. Head over to firstlight.com. First Light, go further, stay longer. We'll be right back with more from our good friend Becky Gunther. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show.
2: there's a burial ground beneath a cattle herd. Mr. Henry Ford's building me a Thunderbird. My Thunderbird. My Thunderbird.
0: Pike County, Illinois, and the surrounding area is hallowed ground for whitetail hunters. And with 21 years experience, Golden Triangle Whitetails is the oldest outfitter in the state. Spread out over 14,000 acres, they have 350 acres of food plots. 500 tree stands and over 80 box blinds the guides take pride in having hunters harvest giant midwest bucks golden triangle whitetail hunts the illinois archery shotgun and muzzle loader season they have a full-time chef and excellent lodging book your whitetail hunt of a lifetime by going to www.goldentrianglewhitetail.com today
2: hey everybody this is max stalling and you're listening to my buddy table smith on the lone star outdoor show I've got this friend, he's a lawyer in Dallas And his folks grow potatoes out, fan way He talks of wills and playboys and turkey Off come his wingtips and boots take their play
0: Cable Smith, welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor show powered by Dallas Safari he Club like Thanks to Lone was Star was Beer and Sometimes off Power Players as well Bass runs, the name of that one from Think our good friend Max Stalling Hope y'all are having a great week. I certainly am. actually went out and wet a line, did a little bass fishing this past week and uh, some striper fishing on Texoma. So I I had to scratch the itch already and it won't be long until the Sandies are running up the creeks too. The crappie will be right behind them and the largemouth should be, uh, well, they should be right there on their beds about that same time. So certainly this is my favorite time of the year to fish uh, as far as fresh water goes anyway. Um, what are we doing? Oh yeah. We've still got our good friend, Becky Gunther of rustic reminders, taxidermy on the phone. And this segment is brought to you by rustic reminders, longtime sponsor of the show. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my taxidermy for a long, long time, whether that's white tailed deer, exotics, uh, looking at a 30 inch speckled trout right here on the wall. Becky did that as well. Absolutely amazing work. They answer the phone when you call. They give you a realistic and quick turnaround time. And they do amazing work. What more can you ask for, right? Rustic Reminders, you can find them at gr8mounts.com. Well, let's get back into it here uh, with Becky, who was nice enough to stick around through the break. Certainly
3: appreciate it, Becky.
4: Thanks, thanks. Great to be back.
3: Yeah. The next thing on my mind, though, is, and and this actually sparked, was sparked because i just got my uh my axis deer back
4: you did yes. yeah yeah. were you happy with him
3: oh my gosh he's beautiful yes and
4: he was pretty
3: just looking at the velvet it's the first animal that i've ever shot in velvet really Uh uh-huh awesome and so um i was like i I can't believe how well that turned out you know looked just like it did the day that i shot him so what goes into not only once you shoot it as the hunter, because the first thing I did was call Josh and be like, hey, I shot this thing in velvet. Now what the hell do I do to make sure it gets to you in great shape? Uh, So what do you tell the hunter that makes that same phone call that I did?
4: Yeah, um, I'll basically just tell them treat it treat it like you would your hide treat it like you would your meat um Uh you know uh, there's there's all different levels of the velvet uh whether they're still growing whether they're soft inside um whether they're already starting to you know whether they're already tipped out starting to peel um but if you've got one that's still growing that beautiful velvet on it and stuff just just Think of it and, and treat it like like you would your meat or your your hide. You know, 40 degrees is kind of your magic number. Uh, bacteria really starts. Um, it's it's a whole lot more inviting for bacteria once you hit over that 40 degrees. Huh. So it's, try to keep it cold. Try to keep it as dry as possible, and uh, you know, get it get it in your freezer as soon as possible, or get it to us as soon as possible, and uh, that way we can just get it preserved the right way and, and get it freeze dried and get it back to you. So I mean. That way you've got them as pretty as he was when you dropped them.
3: Sure, which obviously mine turned out great. There's pictures of it on uh, my website and our Instagram and all that stuff. So what if I'm in the mountains and, you know, I've got an early season archery mule deer tag, Mm -hmm. shoot it, and temperatures are in the 70s. I mean, (laughs) do I just say, screw it, you're just going to have to have him mounted hard horned?
4: Not, not necessarily um, try to get them, you know, typically up there, you know, being in the sun is one thing, whereas being in the shade, is, is it's a whole lot cooler. Oh, yeah. Just um, do, do your absolute best to keep them as cool as possible. Um, however you're treating that meat, um, you know, it's kind of a good idea um, just because, you know, everyone thinks about, okay, we got to keep our meat as cold as possible. If you can keep that velvet as cold as possible, um, you know, and, and, there's there's not always that that perfect number or that perfect way of doing it but um if you can keep it in the shade um try to keep you know if if he's still you know if he's still bleeding he's so soft that he's bleeding and stuff you don't want to have it in a bag where he's pooled in blood or anything like that hmm. just try to keep it dry and as cool as possible so
3: wet is bad
4: you don't want it to get very wet. No, no. I mean don't don't think it's a goner if it does get wet, but um try to keep it try to keep it as dry as possible. Um I know we have a lot of guys that'll be coming in and, and they'll have it in an ice chest or hanging out and it'll get you know, the condensation'll get on it and stuff and it's it's typically still okay, but um just do your best to keep it as dry as possible.
3: Okay, and so once you guys get it you probably put it in a you know, first thing is probably just put it in a walk in freezer.
4: Exactly. Yep. We get it in, we get it tagged, we get straight in that walk in freezer, especially especially around here in Texas where it's always hot. Yeah. But yeah, we get it we get straight in that walk in freezer. Um, you know, we get it caped out however we need to cape out, whether it's going to be, you know, just cutting the hide off for a euro, if we're cutting it off for a shoulder mount, however we need to do, and then and then we get it in the freezer and then the very next place that it'll go is in the, the freeze drying machine.
3: So I what is it I don't even know what the freeze drying machine entails, like I'm sure this is a tool that you guys use all the time um but what is that process like
4: uh basically it,
3: i mean what does it look like does it look like a big old uh like refrigerator or something how does it how does this thing work
4: oh um oh, how can i describe it uh it looks hmm uh <laughs> it's like a it's like almost like a tube
1: uh-huh
4: uh it's it's like a it's it's like a tube, but it'll. What it does is it it just takes the water out, in you know, in form of like a a vapor. It's like almost like a. It's like a big old vacuum pressure sealer almost mm-hmm. type thing, but it's like a. I mean, and, you know, they come in all different shapes, but like a, a tube, I guess. So the same, same thing,
3: to. like when I'm eating that Mountain House, you know, freeze dried meal, it's taking all the moisture out.
4: Yes. Yeah. Yes, the exact same, exact same process there. Um, yeah, and you're just, you're just. Pulling all that, all the water, all the liquids out of it, um, basically. But it's pulling it out, you know, like vapor, um, mm-hmm. you know, condensing it out, um, and then it, it, you know, I don't know the exact process, but it kind of turns it into ice and, and takes it out of there, and then all the the blood moisture will be will be pulled out. Well, and, we're
3: hunters, uh, not scientists, so that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <we>
4: deal there. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and then and then you're left with, you know, you're left with that. Just that pretty velvet, and, and nothing that's going to go rancid on you or anything of that sort.
3: So, do you do anything else after the freeze drying process, or is it pretty much ready to go?
4: It's pretty much ready to go. You'll do some grooming on it just so it, you know, give it that pretty aesthetic look, um, the way mm-hmm. it was before. A uh, little bit of grooming, and 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 it's ready to go. But yeah, that that machine does all the work for us.
3: So. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you see beautiful mounts of animals in velvet um, mm-hmm. all the time. Not so much whitetails in our part of the world. You know, you gotta go a little further. I think uh, Kentucky yeah. has a couple, maybe a season where you can get them in velvet. Some places like that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But you see lots of mule deer taken in velvet. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and I'll say this for my axis mount, um, I think it turned out great just being a European mount. Okay. Actually, the the contrast of of having because you know it's, whenever you shoot something in velvet, it just looks much more massive, than uh-huh. you know than it does if it was you know hard antlered
4: exactly yeah
3: in the contrast with the white skull it just i think it really pops
4: yeah they are they are definitely pretty and yeah if you can if you can save that velvet and and get it free stride and it'll it'll look really good so
3: awesome well i certainly appreciate the time becky always great to visit with you i uh
4: great visiting with you too
3: i understand my eland is ready so i just need to come down there and pick it up and uh i'm excited about that i think the kudu isn't far behind
4: the the kudu the mount is ready it's just getting that base going so yeah, yeah as soon as as soon as we've got it you'll you'll, you'll have a couple very big animals on your wall <laughs>
3: wonderful awesome well I'm looking yeah, forward to it
4: good and the capes were pretty on them and obviously the the horns were great so yeah so
3: well the website is gr the number eight mounts dot com that's gr the number eight mounts dot com uh, you guys have been taking care of me for I I never can remember it's been six seven years now it's been a long time um, yeah, great we relationship. Don't we and don't have
4: to date ourselves by using the actual
1: number. No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just sitting here in the studio, um, looking around at all of these amazing mounts from, that you guys have done—from a black bear to axis deer, oryx, whitetail. I mean, you name it. Um, great. Oh, and my trout. God, I yeah. love my trout. <laughs> <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> yeah,
4: Wonderful. So. Well, good. Yeah, and well, we love we love having you. We we appreciate everything.
3: Well, thanks so much.
4: Great. Well, okay, well, it was great talking with you as always.
0: So there she goes, Becky Gunther of Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Always great visiting with her. And uh, truly, let me tell you this about Becky. She has won countless awards for her cat mounts. So Bob Gat, Mountain Lion, Lynx. She's got well, uh, certainly my Lynx and Mountain Lion that uh, she's working on right now. And when someone as good as, or as talented as Becky has something like that, Hey, Cable, you know, she says, what, how do you want me to do this? And I just say, Becky, whatever you think looks best. <laughs> because I, I mean, that's the bottom line. It, that's that's her talent. She's an artist. And uh, I generally say that these days with most of the things that I give Josh and Becky. Uh, so that segment of the show, by the way, brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'd like to personally invite you to get plugged in with this great group of folks who are passionate About hunters' rights, education, and conservation. To do so, head over to biggame.org. Coming up next, we talk bows, broadheads, uh, target panic, and some other technical archery related stuff. Uh, Plus, get the latest and greatest from Elite Archery when Larry McCoy makes his return. You're listening to the Lone Star Star Outdoor Show. At Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000.
2: Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails Magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Yeah, deer, cocaine and flavored corn New grunt calls
1: and rattling horns doing heat a red fox be will do anything to trick on you, see. i become a and a white when I get a bad case of that Big Buck
0: fever. <laughs> That is Big Buck fever, Sam Moore, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm Cable Smith, Riding Shotgun with you today. Thanks for being here. Thanks to DSC, our title sponsor, as well as Lone Star Beer. And Hoffpower Polaris, and uh, thanks to you for being here. It is truly great to be talking outdoors. And all that implies, uh, we've got some archery-related stuff to get into here in just a second. But before we dive into the deep end with our good friend Larry McCoy, this segment of the presentation is brought to you by All Seasons Feeders. Hey, if you haven't seen the new Monolith, check it out. You can find a picture at allseasonsfeeders.com. But the monolith is the evolution of the stand and fill feeder. It's like nothing you've ever seen before, but something that has everything you ever dreamed of in a deer feeder. Check it out. It's the monolith and you can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Okay. Well, let's bring on Larry McCoy from the outdoor group, specifically elite archery. Larry's not only one of our good friends, but also, One of the hosts of Elite Archery's long-standing TV show, Respect the Game. Larry, welcome back, man. It's always great to visit with you.
2: Thanks for having me, Cable. Appreciate you having me on. It is my pleasure.
3: Um, First of all, let's just get right into it. I want to know what the best moment of your 2018 hunting season was.
2: Man, honestly, the best moment, it was, it was a good season for me particularly, the respect game team, uh, that we all had a really good year, especially in the deer woods. But, uh, for me, you know, Powder River Outfitters hunting, hunting in Montana is always a special trip. Uh, we was able to go out and connect out there, shot a really good deer out there. It was one of those hunts where, you know, if you're a bow hunter, it's that you dream of, not that you just go set up in a tree and, and hope that a big one walks by, but you actually, you know, come up with a plan and execute it and, and for, you know, not more often than not, the plan doesn't work, but this year it just happened to all come together.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, well, tell us about that hunt. I mean, what made it so special? Uh, you said, you know, you're not sitting just, you know, kind of in a
2: tree stand. You know, you know, but, yeah, exactly. Out out in Montana, it's a little bit different style of hunting, you know, especially out of Powder River. You know, you're hunting big alfalfa fields, so the deer congregating from the river bottoms. Uh, you know, out into these fields to feed. So we just hunt the deer in the evenings early season. Uh, and we, uh, you know, was just able to sit back and watch deer, watch their movement. And slowly over the course of a period of five days, you know, we, we would go in and hang a set, watch a deer. It was just off just a little bit. So we were able to to, you know, reposition the next evening and then, and really just kind of get it dialed in and, uh, you know, kind of hone in our skills, I guess, a little bit as well. And, and just finally just get right in there to uh, uh, and was able to get it done, you know, on a deer that we'd, you know, we'd actually been watching for three or four days. So
3: Wow. Okay. So nice buck, I'm sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was a good deer. You know, me, I I don't hardly really score a bunch of my deer. I just, a lot of it, you know, I've, I'm out for myself. It's a, But it was a super mature deer out there. Uh, just an incredible deer i was i was super super excited to get him and, and you know one thing about montana you see all these photos from all these manufacturers of these deer in the water direction the water well i learned why because they got out of the group uh, i don't know what it is but those deer just gravitate right to the river and, and they're not afraid just to tip over right in the middle of it <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> awesome.
3: Uh, awesome awesome yeah very cool and which boat did you shoot him with
2: uh, actually, that particular deer I shot that one with a Ritual 30. Uh, that was where some of the content, if you if you you know, on the elite, uh, some of the launch material stuff that came from that particular hunt, uh, it was super super. That bow is was, was amazing, especially at my long draw length. there's there was I shoot a 30 inch draw, and when you come out with a 30 inch axle axle bow, you worry about string angle and such and things of that nature with a longer draw. But the bow feels so good that honestly I. You know, I didn't really even it didn't really cross my mind with that. I just picked up the bow and and both shot phenomenal for me. So, hmm. uh, so yeah, I was able to hunt with that early in the year. And which uh, slick trick broadhead did you pair that with? Um, that one I shot that deer with a Raptor Trick uh, with uh, with the mechanical from Slick Trick uh, called the Raptor Trick, and and it's it's continuing to to impress me uh, to say the least. Uh huh. Okay, well, I don't, I don't know if we've talked since, uh, since I shot
3: my my elk this year in New Mexico, uh, but it was the first time that I've ever shot an animal in the chest, and uh, the penetration I got from the the hundred grain Viper trick and and oh my God, it just uh, it destroyed him. He made it forty yards and and you know you are thinking, well, did, did I make a good shot? Well, how could you not? He was fourteen yards away and you shot him in the chest, but you know your mind's playing tricks on you, and then. I saw him running off at thirty yards and just the blood just hemorrhaging out of his chest and I was like thank you. I was the last day of the hunt. I mean there was there was blood, sweat and tears. I'm not going it was probably the most uh physically and mentally challenging hunt I've ever been on. Uh and uh to have it all, you know, culminate in that moment and and then to walk up on him and, and you see the penetration you get from that broadhead it was uh it was truly an amazing experience and it killed them very quickly.
2: <laughs> man, that's, that's awesome, man. and And that head, that, the Viper Trick, is a it's just a phenomenal head. The design of that head is, in my opinion, one of the best uh, that's offered on the fixed blade market. Uh, just the ferrule design is really sleek. It's more of a cut-on contact design. So if people are shooting low poundage yeah, all the way up to a guy shooting 70- or 80-pound lens, the, the, they're going to fly good, and they're going to penetrate. Uh, and the blade angle, everything about that head is just superb in, in my opinion. And I'm actually a a, a really strong fixed blade guy, and it took a lot to get me to really switch over and shoot the mechanicals. And when I, the Raptor Trick, when you break it down as far as the design and, and why some of the features are the way they are, uh, it made me really get into the, uh, get into, to that as well. And I've had some really good experiences with the Raptor Trick, and, and it's proved me wrong in a lot of cases that that head is, is from a mechanical standpoint, it's lethal, but the viper trick, like I said, it's just an absolute uh, animal of a head to shoot.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm kind of in that same vein because I, I've, I've never shot a, a mechanical at an animal, and it's to me, it's just like, you know, and obviously, I mean, you see all the reviews, you see everyone's having success with the raptor trick, but I'm scared. I'm scared, even being sponsored by Slick Trick, you know, to make that switch. I just, uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I've never lost an animal with this head and and by god you know I I don't want to I'm scared to switch.
2: All right. Well, there's a lot of great broadheads out on the market. Don't get me wrong, and and with the all-steel design of the of the Raptor trick and the way that it's uh, you know, just kind of I guess the engineers you know, when they put that there's some out there that that uh, you know, somewhat somewhat similar and a lot of the companies will will kind of market a big entrance hole and me, personally, as a bow hunter, I'd like to, uh, at any chance possible, I want to get two holes. I want to get an exit hole as well. Mm-hmm. And with the sleek ferrule design, the blade's being offset back. So, basically, you're, you're going to enter, uh, the blades are going to fully deploy at, uh, you know, while they're, after it's entered the carcass. So, when it matters, meaning your arrow's not going to slow down. Uh, because you're, you're you know all of that resistance, most of the broadheads out there are two inch cut or whatever, just like the Raptor trick, and and if you have two inches of resistance as it enters the animal, that's why you don't see a lot of pass throughs and a lot you know a lot of the hunt shows you watch uh, with with a lot of mechanical broadheads. Not that they're not effective because they are, and I'm not saying. But if if you know we're all bow hunters, and there's always a chance you, you could make a marginal shot, you know, and you know I want to try to get as uh, an exit hole. Uh, when I can, meaning I want the arrow sticking out the opposite side, mm-hmm. uh, or blowing right through and laying on the ground. Yeah, you know.
3: So yeah, absolutely. L- let me ask you this, uh, because the more I think about that hunt, there's little bits and pieces that kind of come to me, and I've talked about it in detail on the show, but I don't think I've ever expressed this moment as um, when I shot that elk. He was so close that I'll be honest with you. You know, I've got I've got my. Uh, uh, I think I was shooting. I shot. I took the the tempo on that hunt. And, um, I, I don't even remember putting my pin on the animal. It all happened so quickly. It was more of like an instinctive shot. And he was so close. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to put this, this pin kind of in that area. And, you know, he's looking at me at 14 yards, the gigs up, he knows I'm there. It was just kind of, it just happened so fast. It was like, um, just inherent nature, I guess. And I don't, you've killed so many animals with a bow. I don't know if that ever happens to you or if if you always remember putting the pin on it, I uh, just wanted to, to pick your your brain on that.
2: You know, it's a it is a that's a very very good question, I, and I have been asked that. And to be honest with you, it's it's really hard to recollect where my pin is sitting on the deer. I just know that it's there,
1: mm-hmm. where
2: I want it to be. Uh, it's almost getting in the zone because if you're a bow hunter you're going to get worked up, you know. You know you have to aim. You know you have to put the pin where you want. But after the fact, your adrenaline's going. And I've often thought back, as we recover an animal or walk up on an animal, once that that adrenaline starts to lay down just a little bit, you, you think back, man. So I, I, you look at your entrance hole and exit hole, and you're like, man, is that where I was holding? And and you do have some. Sometimes you have a hard time you know, remembering exactly that process. Mm-hmm. So, and which brings me to a, a good point as far as when, when I practice, repetition is very, very, very important. And I know, uh, you know, people have jobs and it's time, but just uh, even a couple arrows uh, here and there, because being repeatable, uh, being able to anchor in the same spot, being able to make sure you're doing the same process over and over, shooting from different positions, you know, bending at your waist, uh, if you're in a tree stand, uh, shooting, you know uphill but that repetition is important because at that point really it's a subconscious and confident thing you know you're pulling back when you know you're at full draw and you're anchored you know you're looking through your peep your sight housing centered in your peep and and your pin uh will float to where it needs to to be i, I use the term you know stare at where you uh, where you want to hit uh mm-hmm. you know just like a lot of instinctive shooters uh do and it's uh, the pin seems to gravitate there so you know Obviously, you have to, you know, know the animal, know the position in which the animal is, is, is standing and uh, what angle he's at and as far as where you need to uh, to aim. Because if an animal is a corridor away from you, obviously, you know, you want to probably try to aim through the animal uh, to exit uh, behind the opposite shoulder. Uh, so that may mean the entrance hole is going to be back rib, but it's going to it's going to exit or the, arrow, the arrow's path is going to go right through the lungs and heart and the vital area. So.
0: Absolutely. Um, we need to take a quick break. I do want to uh, table this, though, and pick it back up. There's a lot more I want to get into, adding weight to the back of your rig, uh, for instance, and then also what about the that instinctive reaction of buck comes into picture, you're in the tree stand, you've got to make a split-second decision on whether to shoot or not. Do you even have time to put that right on? that vital right on that on the x where you want it or do you actually really just hope to be floating in that kill zone and just let it fly as soon as you can um all kinds of other interesting stuff to get into here so are you cool to stick around
2: oh absolutely i'm here as long as you need me cool deal
0: and that segment brought to you by rudy's true texas style barbecue where you can stop in for breakfast lunch or dinner and enjoy rudy's true texas style barbecue we'll be right back with more from our good friend larry mccoy of the lead archery you're listening of the Lone Star Outdoor show.
1: Searched for a dime Only found a penny To scratch them off I never was good at winning
2: Howdy, folks. I'm Lee Hoffair for Bears Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been
4: a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Bears once again, the number one Polaris dealer in Texas.
0: Hey, hey, all you waterfowl junkies out there, Cable here for TX Duck Blinds, highly durable and highly mobile customized duck blinds built by duck hunters for duck hunters. Each blind is built from solid steel by professional welders and field tested before shipment. A duck season will come and go, but guess what? Your TX Duck Blind is built to last. Customize yours today by calling 817-965-1306. You can also find them at TexasDuckBlinds.com or check them out on Instagram and Facebook at TX Duck Blinds.
2: I'm drinking champagne and feeling no pain till early morning. Dining and dancing with every pretty girl I can find. And having a flame with a pretty young thing till early morning.
0: There's a classic from Cal Smith, Drinking Champagne, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Cable Smith here with you today. And uh, thank you being a part of today's broadcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. I uh, got to meet quite a few of you this past week at the Meat Eater Live podcast in Dallas as uh, our longtime friend Steven Ronella and the crew rolled through Big D. So since it was right in my backyard, I had to go check it out. And uh, certainly an entertaining show uh, focused pretty much on wild game uh, as far as that episode was concerned. I think that they did tape it, so you'll probably hear it uh, on an upcoming um, version of their show. Uh, but good times. Nice to meet so many of y'all. Uh, this segment of the show brought to you by John X Safaris. Well, I'll be heading to John X Safaris June 7th through the 15th. Still got those two open spots. If anybody is interested, shoot me an email lone star outdoors show at gmail.com. It's going to be a plains game hunt. There is the ability to hunt Cape Buffalo if you're interested. Uh, also, you could do a rhino Vita dart, basically a green hunt for rhino, where you don't kill the rhino. I actually might be doing that. We'll see. Uh, but Carl and I are planning some exciting stuff for that trip. And of course, kudu, gemsbuck, uh, warthog, you name it, impala, all of the uh, stereotypical things that are, well, they're going to be up on anyone's bucket list that's heading over to Africa for the first time, especially. Um, so, June 7th through the 15th, John X Safari's Lone Star Outdoor show trip number three. Email me if you want more information. Um, let's jump back into it with our good friend, Larry McCoy of Elite Archery. You know, Larry, I, I want to go back to this this moment in time that um, I won't ever forget, but at the same time, I can't really remember because when I'm shooting at a target, I absolutely know when I make a bad shot that I, you know, I pulled it or maybe I was floating over my point of impact, desired point of impact when I let my arrow fly. These things stand out, you know, it's like, well, why did I make a bad shot? Well, I didn't make a bad shot on the elk, but I don't remember making a good shot. And so I was interested to see, you know, if that's something that happens to you on a regular basis. Cause, um, there's times when I, let an arrow fly on an animal and I, and I just, I did it, it all happened so fast. That I don't even remember doing it.
2: <laughs> That's a, yeah. And, that, and it is a great feeling, but yet it is a little puzzling for sure. And one thing that has helped me tremendously too. And with, at, at elite, you know, we have a, we have a, uh, a lot of great target archers, pro professional archers and uh, CBE custom bow equipment. They come out with a, uh, 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 Torx hunt kit is what they call it. And mm-hmm. it's running a back bar as well. Uh, so lower and it balances. And what I noticed uh, when I went to that was, whenever I'm at full draw, my pin settles down so quickly and it holds real nice. Like I can, and then when I'm looking through my peep, my sight's always level, regardless of what position I'm in, because that back bar is actually kind of offsetting the weight of the riser. Yeah, your bow's heavier, but uh, but I just noticed that my pin settles down and I, I can really focus on on aiming a lot better versus what I call drive-by shooting when you pins floating around and then you get to the area and you're just jumping on the trigger, uh, and, in hopes that the arrow's going go to go the right place.
3: Oh my gosh. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you right now that I experienced that, uh, drive-by even sometimes on the target, you know? Um, uh, so anything that could help me So okay, so this is the back bar. Actually, my buddy that was on the, the, uh, elk hunt with me, he had one on his bow I'm trying to get him to switch to elite. I don't know what he's doing, but, uh, I did notice he, he had one, um, and I think you know I've seen more and more hunters going to that, which traditionally was more of a for for the target shooters.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a reason why these professional archers shoot those back bars and and stuff. And once you start to pick their brains, like I said, Darren Christianberry, Chance Bobus, a lot of uh, the elite shooters uh, that are that are really active hunters as well and great hunters and and av- outdoors advocates as well. They, you know, as I Talk to them about it, and they explain the reasons why. Because I was one of those guys; I never used a black back bar, and now that I, I have, like I said, it does add additional weight to your bow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but
3: what's a few? I mean, ounces though for for a more steady, um, you know, uh, technique. The thing form. Is, is, you
2: you can, you can adjust the weight because it comes with uh, it comes with weights on it as well. So if you need a little bit more weight because you shoot with a quiver on or off, you can add that to it, and you can adjust the bar in and out just to where whenever you're at full draw, you want your sight, your sight level, so you'll look at the level on your sight whenever you're at full draw, every time. And uh, when you look through the peep, that's where, you know, your sight's going to be level. And also, you'll notice that the pin is not moving, you know, moving around. If you see, if you put a back bar on and you still have your, you still have your pin moving around quite a bit you may need to add a little bit more weight on the front or the back, mm-hmm. uh, depending on how it is or how the bow responds, you know, when, when you shoot. So, and it's helped my shooting tremendously <clears throat> just because I was like you, you know, you know, you get to a point where you do start, you know, uh, drive buying, like I said, you know, where that pin's floating either up, down, around, around the dot or around where you want to hit. And then you start to create some bad habits from as far as punching the trigger. Because uh, let's just face it, I mean, when you're hunting, there's situations where you have to punch the trigger. Some people will may disagree with that, but I mean, if a buck runs up on you, you just got through rattling, and he runs up on you, you're you're amped up, and and you know that he's going to stop for just a second. You stop him. You got to get that shot off. Mm-hmm. You, know? you have to get that shot off, and and for you to sit back and wait for that pin to get there. I mean, that pin goes there, boom, and you're 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 ripping through your shot because uh, you want to execute. And like I said, it's it's just that comes with practice. Repetition, making sure that you're repeatable every single shot, and that's going to help build your confidence as a shooter all the way around.
1: Well, it's
3: it's nothing to be floating a little bit at 20 yards, but you take it out 30, 40, 50, and that's where you're going to, you know, you're really going to see a difference.
2: Yes, exactly. You will definitely see my long-range shooting when I'm practicing. uh, Definitely, my groups got a lot tighter when I went to a back bar because I was. It. I don't know. It's. I don't know if it's just. But the way the bow holds, the pin's not moving. But too subconsciously, when that pin's not moving, I don't feel like I got a rush.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, because I can I can literally hold my pin there, which comes to another topic, is a lot of the hunters out there they probably shoot a heavier weight than they really need to, as from a bow weight perspective. So a lot of the guys that are shooting 70 pounds, they can draw back easy, uh, of course, it, but. But can they hold it there? Can they hold their pin there? A lot of times what I do?
3: Well, yeah, with I, an elite I, I, I can't
2: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly no, no that's exactly right uh, but, you know I want and one thing that I do do is I sit back in in my garage and i'll I'll knock an arrow on the target and I will draw back uh, and I will hold my pen on the dot and when I feel that shot start to break down, I just let down and then I will do that until until I'm training my muscles and my and my subconscious my confidence that when I draw back my pin is going to be there. And then once I get to where that's there, I'll go back down, hold my pin there and then start ripping, you know, blind bell or just shooting shooting a target at, at ten yards or eight yards or whatever the case. Uh just trying to put that arrow in the same hole.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well and I yeah, I think that uh is and you know, a lot of people talk about it, but it seems like we still fight that as a bow hunting community. Uh I'm pretty fit, I work out, but I still pull I think I'm at uh, 64 pounds on my uh,
2: yeah.
3: on my my ritual, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I just there's no reason for me to go any higher than that.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, and being comfortable is the most important. Elite just happens to have a super super comfortable bow that you can, you know, you can shoot a relaxed shot. We just at the ATA we launched a, the Ritual 35, mm-hmm. which is, you know. It's a little bit longer platform uh, ritual. It was funny. We, when we the ritual, we got a great response on the original ritual, uh, ritual which was 33 inches axle axle, and the bow feels phenomenal. Super super efficient. And upon requests from consumers, uh, they were, they were wanting a, a shorter axle axle. So we came out with the Ritual 30, listening to the consumers and what they wanted, and and that went over really well. So then once that came uh to play we started getting requests for a 35 inch ritual because we're, we're confident in this this whole cam system is is phenomenally smooth it's 100 percent elite the back wall on any of those bows feel outstanding and you can shoot a relaxed shot uh, but this this 35 has been received super super well as uh, as a crossover bow a lot of guys out west are really interested in this bow too um because you know they they tend to shoot a little bit longer range cuz they're hunting a lot more open country in most cases uh and they uh, uh and this bow is super super forgiving uh has great speeds and feels just absolutely amazing this whole ritual family is 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 pretty impressive
3: so that's what's new for for this year on the on the bow side of things is the uh the Ritual 35 um But obviously, it's been received very well. What about uh, as far as the entire outdoor group family, uh, other things that maybe were released at ATA that our listeners should know about?
2: Well, we got uh, mainly that, uh, this Ritual 35 seemed to be the talk, but yes, for CBE, uh, we've the custom bow equipment, we expanded our sight line. We did some redesign. Our engineers did an absolute fabulous job on, on, on these sites. We've got a tactic series site that was a big buzz around the show. Uh, the, you've probably seen them in dealers now. Uh, this, this site is, is got the CBE quality. Uh, we did a reconfiguration on the pin design. So it's got a bladed pin uh, that's going to be more durable. Uh, and also <clears throat> that's, that site just as a regular tactic is going to, until for 60 bucks.
1: Wow. Well And then
2: we've got one called Detecting Micro. That has a micro adjust, micro windage, and vertical adjustment uh, that comes well. That That's going to sell for 79. And then you get up into the new, uh, the other new sites that we have, which is called the Engage Series. And it's, uh, the multi pin is, uh, is all micro adjust as well. So uh, you can uh, micro adjust each pin individually. Uh, which is a very, very nice feature. And we also have the Engage Hybrid, which is, comes off the, you know, the tech hybrid platform with all of the new designs from their engineers uh, that is super efficient. New windage unit, new, uh, it's, it's just a really high-end, uh, awesome piece of equipment, the whole CVE series. And then last but not least, uh, the Tactic, um, the tactic uh, Quiver. Uh, we can uh, we got we got a quiver that come out that's going to be super uh, affordable for every bow hunter out there we'll mount to any site Will mount to any bow it's a five arrow quiver uh that that was all received really well as as well and then and then of course we've got a lot of new stuff uh, new stuff spooling up uh, going into this fall as well that uh we'll introduce a little bit later in the year
3: perfect perfect
2: um let me ask you this larry is uh you know We've
3: kind of wrapped up show season. The next thing on the horizon is obviously chasing those thunder chickens. Uh, Where are you headed off to this
2: spring? Uh, Well, um, Hidden Valley Outfitters, uh, Corey Peterson's a good friend of ours, uh, uh, Nebraska. And they start fairly early. Uh, And uh, so definitely uh, we're going to go up and visit Corey and, and hopefully try to smoke a few birds up there. Uh, and then from there we'll go to Kansas and, and, uh, then I'll I'll hunt my home state of Missouri as well. Uh, those are are my three main, uh, focus states that we're going to try to hit on. So, um, looking forward to that. Um, it's it's awesome to get out and hear that first golf of the year.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's like the first bugle for me, you know, it's, uh, someone who hunted turkey long before I hunted elk, I think I've been hunting elk maybe six seasons, but, uh, turkey, Significantly longer. It's uh, it's very comparable when you hear that first uh, Tom rip one off of the roost. You know, it's whoa, it sends chills <laughs> through the entire yeah, body. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and what what broadhead will you be using for that?
2: Uh, actually, I will. Uh, I will probably the Raptor trick will be good if I, if I choose to body shoot uh uh them. But uh, solid, another company that the uh, Outdoor Group has, um, uh, they have, they make a, a broadhead called the the Decap. And uh it's a it's a all steel head. If you watch Respect a Game, I'm sure you've seen some heads.
3: Boom, off with their head. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is it?
2: Yeah. Is that Mary Queen
3: of Scots that was famous for that? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well that's kinda uh it's it's something that we've kinda taken on and and it's it's def- definitely something that'll stick with you, it'll make you want to get out there and do it uh more and more and and uh so yeah, we're, we'll we'll plan play on using a decap, the Raptor Tricks and uh, see if we can't uh, you know, cut some heads off and lay tips and tip some birds over. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Larry, always great
3: catching up with you, talking some bow hunting, latest and greatest from uh, Elite and obviously the Outdoor Group. We certainly appreciate it, man, and uh, good luck in Nebraska.
2: All right. Thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate you having me on.
3: All right. Take care.
2: All right. We'll see you. Take care, bud.
0: All right, there he goes. Our good buddy Larry McCoy of Elite Archery. And uh, insightful stuff there. When you think about non instinctive shooters, like probably you and for sure me, folks who use a pin, having instinctive tendencies, uh, I don't think a lot of people ever talk about that. And like you said, when that buck walks in or he's running in, and you've got to make that split second decision, maybe your pin isn't right on where his heart is. And you're not seeing the exit on that back shoulder. You're just putting it on vitals and letting it rip. Um, You know, maybe that's the, maybe that's the ugly reality of bow hunting that folks think we shouldn't talk about. I think we should. Uh, That segment brought to you by Pulsar night vision and thermal imaging. Check out the new Thermion. I've been telling you all about this for a couple weeks. It was released at shot show. It is a 30 millimeter tube. So, All you traditional bolt guys, this is the thermal of your dreams. It's still got the internal recording as well. It's the Thermion. You can find it at PulsarNV.com. Just looking at the clock here, got to go, got to get out of here. Unfortunately, um, we're out of time. Thanks to both of our guests today, Becky Gunther of Rustic Reminders, Larry McCoy of Elite Archery and Slick Trick Broadheads. Uh, thanks to you guys and gals for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. We will do it again, same time, same place, next week. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors.
1: Now I ain't the toughest hickory that your axe has ever fell, But I'm a hickory just as well. I'm a hickory all the same.